Welcome to Bell Interrupted. Are you out of your damn mind? You get to drink from the fire hole! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace! What? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears? Don't do it! You got Tammy and Parker! <laughs> Hello and welcome to Film Interrupted. This is the show where I get to do whatever I want while dealing with the constant antics of Smash. We can review movies, video games, and who knows what else. Episodes can be spooky, too oddly informative, and downright stupid. I am your host, Val Allen, and I do welcome you to the show. Well, this episode here is episode 116. Now, I don't normally name the episodes, you know, like tell you how many there are, because who cares? But it's a little relevant here because our guest hasn't been on since episode 24. So we've had kind of a long wait for our guest to return. I'm, I'm excited that he's here. He's an author. He's also my brother-in-law. And he just recently launched a website called dreamthinkwrite.com. We're going to talk about that and a bunch of other stuff. So the long-awaited return, Michael Mullen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Phil. It's great to be here, man. Appreciate it. It's been too long. Too long, yeah, I agree. We see each other all the time, but it's just been too long on the show. Yeah, you know, it's just trying to get down here and have a good time, and that conversation between guys just tends to be a pain in the butt anymore, you know? So It is. It's so hard to get in that guy time. Right. Well, you've been doing, uh, you've really stepped up your uh, your writing. Yes, definitely. Now, I think back on episode 24, if anybody remembers it, if they've heard it, um, <laughs> Did we talk a little bit about some of the writing that you do on the side? And like I said, you've really picked it up lately. So that's what we're going to get into. We've got a lot lot of good stuff to clench our teeth into. Yeah, well, I hope you got a lot of time, man, because I don't shut up about my writing anymore. It's actually, it's my passion. And it's finally, it's finally something that I've decided to set aside the right amount of time for to actually make myself what I want to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's time to start. So, All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys, and uh, we'll cut. No, I'm just kidding. Oh man, you just said a lot of time, and then I cut <laughs> you Oof. off. Oof. Oof. Man, that was harsh. And now we know why we don't get a lot of guy time. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you've been refocusing, getting down to business, and uh, what has that entailed? What has that been like? So a lot of what's happened is I have taken my free time and everything that I enjoy doing, my gaming, my reading, and I have cut it to just, you know. I video game maybe once every week now and spend as much time writing as possible. I've actually been skipping my uh, my, my combat nights and sitting in and instead of watching TV, rocking out on the book. So everything you enjoy, you've abandoned to pursue this dream. Uh, to an extent, yes. But I think that's what you have to do when you know what you want finally. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You said combat. Just for people who don't know, what is what are you doing? Ah, uh, so so UFC fighting or? <laughs> I wish I'm definitely not in that kind of a uh, <laughs> shape, but uh, I'm a heavy arms combatant for the SCA. So I uh, dress in full armor and uh, do full medieval combat, full contact, unscripted combat. Whoa! Yeah, I've I've actually seen your helmet, and it weighs like eighty pounds. Yeah, yeah, it's a monster. That thing's a tank. It's on it's on the heavier side. That would you could like you could get run over by like a pickup truck with that helmet on it would not crush your head no well essentially what happens i don't recommend you doing that but considering what i do for fun is basically let a bunch of grown men and some women because man let me tell you there are some really skilled women out fighters out there but uh basically what i let them do is hit me in the head with baseball bats while wearing that helmet so it's insane yeah it's fun so when you're not getting hit in the head with a baseball bat right okay we're dedicating more time to Right. To writing. Exactly. That, that's the goal anyway. So, you know, less brain damage, more 
<laughs> More brain child. <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right. So the website, you recently just launched this website. I did. Yeah. Dreamthinkwrite.com. And that's W-R-I-T-E. Uh, you know, like an actual writer. Yes. Yeah, I thought. Mm. Uh, so what I did is I went to Philadelphia uh, Stories. It's a, non- a nonprofit organization and they have a writing convention every year called Push to Publish. And when I was there, I met a lot of really great people, talked to the, uh, a lot of really great agents and the administrators, and everybody told me the same thing. They said, you need to brand yourself. So I ran home and I created a Twitter account. I created an Instagram account. You can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Michael J. Writing. Uh, and then you can find me on dreamthinkwrite.com because... They told me to have a website, so now I have one. Now, it's a fledgling website. doesn't have a lot on it right now, just basically my bio and how to contact me. And there's a couple of reviews for different books that I've done. Uh, I saw a new one today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Lilani of the Distant Sea went up. That was a fantastic book. Uh, And then I've got another one I'll be doing this weekend for The Star Shepherd, which is another fantastic book. Yeah, a website needs time to to get going. Correct, yeah. just instantly have tons of stuff on there, so that's good. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the writing. Okay. What do you want to know? Well, I know it's there's a lot of uh, fantasy, horror. You've even done some detective stuff. Where, what's uh, what's your main focus right now? Like, what's the what do you is that what you're going for? Like, oh, I gotta get these done. This is what I'm going for. Uh, so what I what I started uh, doing was just kind of writing what I know. It's what they tell you to do, and what I know is fantasy. I've been writing since I was ten, basically since I started creating D and D campaigns. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, for those of you who aren't sure what D&D is. And when I went to push the publish, I met an agent who, and I don't want to drop names, so I won't, but she basically said to me, you need to pick your genre and you need to focus on that genre. And I am writing right now middle grade fiction, which targets uh, nine to 12 year olds and specifically with a fantasy background. Now, fantasy is broken down into a lot of different genres, Mm -hmm. um, subgenres actually. Um, So the one that I originally created was essentially a crossover or a found world fiction, uh, fantasy fiction, where you find another world and you visit that world. The one that I'm working on now for uh, NaNoWriMo <clears throat> or the National Novel Writing Month Challenge is uh, a horror. So it's a spooky middle grade horror kind of feel to it. Uh, and it just basically stemmed from my wife saying to me, you know, you should write something different. You need to put Brown Eyed Brindle down and you need to pick up something different. And I did. And I ran with this new idea I've got. I'm calling it 4M tentatively. It's a Milo Miller monster meddler. And uh, it's going to be essentially about a 12-year-old. Well, I'm sorry. No, he's 11 now. I changed it. About an 11-year-old boy who meddles in the affairs of monsters living in his hometown. Nice. Hey, you got, sometimes you got to go a little edgy. I think kids are a little more edgy these days. You know, and that's the thing that I've been reading a lot of as I go. So not only do I have to write a lot, I have to read a lot. Sure, you got to yeah, you got to yeah. understand what you're doing. Yeah. Exactly. So a lot of what I'm finding is I'm reading what agents are interested in, and a lot of people are saying they'd like to see some spooky horror type for mid grade for for the younger people because they can handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my goal. My goal is not to terrify, but it is to spook them out. I'd love. I don't necessarily want to be the next R.L. Stein, but I'd love to have that feel. Because I remember growing up reading Goosebumps novels, and I would love to have somebody read my novel and be like, okay, that creeped me out. Maybe not be able to sleep for an hour or two at night because that was kind of creepy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I remember books like that, too, when I was young. <clears throat> Absolutely. I got some questions for you. Ready for Oh, this? yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to shoot some questions at you here. Bring it on. Rapid fire. Uh, 
what is your writing process like? Now, it's a little generic question here, but curious. Uh, so my writing process is very simple. I, nine times out of 10, have a dream, which then becomes a thought, which then becomes my writing. Hence, dream, think, write. Whoa. I know, right? It's amazing. Um, but really what it is, is it is coming up with a concept and then talking myself through it, usually to my wife or whoever is around me at the time. And it'll just be a stroke of genius. Like it'll just click and something will happen. And I'll say, I think I got a story. And then I will speak it and I will just make it happen. And then I sit down and I do a... It's not really an outline. I know a lot of people think an outline is like, you know, I write the the title and the, the nine or 10 different plot points I want to have happen. I write a paragraph blurb about what I expect to happen in the chapter. And then I just start typing and whatever comes out. Huh. That's interesting. So you give yourself sort of a rough outline, but no... Correct. No guidelines per se. You can go where you want to go. Right. Exactly. Because I don't, I don't want to lock myself in. Like, I mean, for example, I planned this first book to be 13 chapters. I'm thinking that'd be kind of cool to have a spooky book, 13 chapters long. Sure. And I get six chapters in and I'm like, nope, this chapter needs to be split up into three separate chapters. So now it's at 18 and then I get to another chapter and boom, now it's a 20. So yeah, never pigeonhole yourself in, always explode, let yourself have what you need. Right. That makes sense. So a lot of people who don't know you, you have these very vivid dreams. Uh, Yes. Very much like, so. I, okay, just so you people know, when I have dreams, I don't remember nothing. I wake up, or I go to sleep, it's black, and I wake up. That's pretty much it. I, there's very little in between there. Every once in a while, I may get woken up and remember like 30 seconds of what was going on in my dream, and then it's poof gone. I don't remember it anymore. It's, it's, I, I totally forget. But yeah. you, on the other hand, have these insane dreams, which I think I would probably lock myself up if I had such vivid dreams you have. I, I get told that a lot, especially when I break them out and tell people about them. Um, yeah, I have next to what you might consider night terrors. Yeah. Uh-oh, we Hi. have a guest. I'm really sorry, <clears throat> but Zoe would like to give everybody a hug and a kiss. Oh, going to bed. my daughter's in here. Hi, Zoe. Hello, Zoe. I Aww. love you. Very quiet. Wow, what a good girl. Come here, sweetheart. You have a good night, okay? Love you too, Zoe. Now you're fine. So now the cute thing is, is you're gonna. I know you're talking about my dreams, but she actually sparked a whole story. Zobo. Oh Zoe? yeah, yeah. I was talking to my wife on a on a drive home, and I said I got this idea for uh, a story about a little girl who uh, loses her father. Not not he doesn't die, but he she loses her father somehow. And um, I in about. 10 minutes created uh, another book that I'm going to work on once I'm finished with uh, Milo. I've got another one called The Lion of Arbordale that is based on that adorable little girl going on a magical journey to save her father. You're ambitious. You have a lot of projects going on. I right now have 32 novels. What? Yeah, 32 novels that I want to write and they're all locked in my head. Just, I got to get them out. Wow. Yeah, you do. No more video games. Yeah, no, no more, more combat. No more <laughs> And you know what the funny thing is, is like I came up with three more of them just a day ago. I was literally my. <laughs> well, so, let's tailor down the ideas and let's get to work. I, I wish some I could. of these out. Um, my wife wasn't feeling well, so we're laying there on the couch, and I just picked up my cell phone and started typing and came up with three full new novels that I want to write. Damn. Yeah. <clears throat> it's impressive work out of you. <laughs> You're an inspired guy, clearly. Uh, well, you know, 
I like I said, we, well, with going back to what we were talking about, my dreams inspire me to do a lot of stuff because mm-hmm. I will literally remember every solitary piece of my dream. And then if there's something that I can't remember, I fill it in with my imagination. So, I mean, I'll go to work and one of my coworkers will say, so what'd you dream about last night? Just because she wants to hear what I dream about. And I told her, I mean, one time I actually had her crying because of the story I told her uh, was a love story. It's another one that I want to write. Uh, it's tentatively called light and sweet because that's how my wife likes her coffee. And it was a tragic tale about me losing my wife and uh, going to heaven and finding what I needed to find in order to survive until the book ends. But you'll have to wait for that because it's got a fun ending. You've got so many ideas. Do you have like an idea how long each one of these stories is going to be? Or is it just like, okay, I got this great idea for a book. And then you got to actually like build the whole world and fill out the entire books, you know, so it's not like, you know, like a little short story, like a serious book, right? That's so much work. I can't, I don't, I don't know how you do that. You know, it, it is like writing is not for the faint of heart. You yeah. have to really dive into it. And depending on the age group you're writing for, you're looking at different length books. I mean, so middle grade that I'm looking at, some experts say it should be as low as 20,000, as high as 55, no higher with the exception of fantasy. Cause sometimes they can go longer cause you got to do a lot of world building. Yeah. Um, now, how, so, how long is that? Sorry to interrupt. How long is it? You said 55. Like what am I thinking here? How many pages is that? So uh, I can so 50, get an idea. 55,000 words works out to be, um, Roughly, I want to say like 350 to 400, depending on the publisher, people put somewhere between 250 to 300 words on a page. And a Microsoft Word, which is what I write in, uh, that allows you to put about 500 words per page, give or take. So you can kind of estimate the the original draft of Brown Eyed Brindle that I wanted to publish was 101 thousand words and that ended up being 180 pages and then you double that minimally double that to what you're going to go to so that would have been approximately 300 pages Whew, a lot of math being thrown around here yeah and that was actually bad math for anybody who's actually doing the math because <laughs> you know 180 times two is more than 300 all right lightning round <clears throat> go have you ever gone on a literary pilgrimage uh no you went to ireland I guess. I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you an answer. You're like, nope. And I was like, what about? Well, so when you talk about a pilgrimage, are you talking about going someplace specifically to learn to read or write, or are you talking about someplace that inspires me? Because if you're talking Let's about, do insp- that. Yeah. Okay. So if we're going inspiration, the answer is absolutely yes. Every night I go to bed, I get hit by a wave of inspiration. Oh. Okay. What is the first book that made you cry? Oh Lord. Um. Actually, I would say probably the one that I'm thinking about writing was the first one I can think about crying. I'm not normally a tearjerker kind of guy. I don't like the realistic kind of stuff. You don't weep? Uh, No, not really. I mean, no. So I'm going to say the first time time I cried was when I I typed up my outline for Light and Sweet. I was like, I was a mess crying. I mean, like all down my face. I even had to get like a half a box of tissues just writing the outline for that. I can't imagine what's going to happen when I write it. Some heavy stuff. Ah, uh, dude. But that, you know, could really... Mm. What's the word I'm looking for? Talk it's the zinger. Things. Exactly. Yeah. The zinger to people, right? Yeah. Hey, well, we'll see. I think I know the answer to this next question. Does writing energize you or exhaust you? It energizes me, actually. That's it, what I was going to think. Yeah, yeah, it pumps me up when I start writing, especially when I go back to do my edits. After my first write, bam, and I start editing, I start getting goosebumps. Like, 
I, I chop up my phrases and I'm like, nope, this is stupid. Get rid of that. Okay, add these three words and now I got to get rid of that. Sure. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think there's kind of an adrenaline rush that could probably come from it. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And as you like you said, you edit. I do the same thing with podcasts. Uh, I usually am very proud of every show I do. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if I had good energy on that show. And then I start editing. I'm like, this is this is a good show. Like I like what I'm doing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you have to edit out certain spots yep. and to- fine tune it, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Thank, thank God for Pro Writing Aid. Let me just tell you, it's a program that I just recently downloaded. Uh, you know, one-time payment, big payment, but one-time payment, and it catches almost everything you can imagine. Like, you still got to go back and read it because it's not going to catch everything, but it, it catches a lot of really cool stuff, and it's something that I wasn't aware of until recently. I was just using Grammarly, which everyone should know about Grammarly. Grammarly is cool. Pro Writing Aid is Grammarly Plus. On steroids. Oh, at least. Kicked up a notch. Or 10. 10 but you don't ever get exhausted uh no actually i mean like i've actually been at four o'clock in the morning writing because i can't stop that's that's a good time though to be inspired you know sometimes yeah. those late nights or early mornings oh the house is dead um you know the wife's asleep the dogs are out cold exactly i can just You're go. right 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 and right whoa right and right whoa <gasps> what are common traps for aspiring writers not knowing what they're going for um, the biggest thing that i found at talking to people is that they're not sure what they're writing they're not sure who they're writing for i would think that's yeah yeah that makes sense i mean i, I originally thought brown eyed brindle was going to be a young adult book and then after i did a little bit of research and found out no it, the main character starts off as a 12 year old it's not it's not young adult it's targeting middle grade and then I mean, granted, that's supposed to be like a four to seven book series, so it eventually would get to young adult issues, kind of like, you know, Harry Potter starts off as a young kid and then he becomes a young man. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the, I'm not saying my book is anything like Harry Potter. I'm just saying as a reference before anybody goes like, oh yeah, this guy thinks he's JK Rowling because trust me, I'm not. She's amazing. Um, oh, Mike, I went to your amusement park at uh, Universal. It was amazing. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I went in the castle, the yeah. roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. I was there with you. Remember? Oh Yeah. <laughs> and I had that beer. That, uh, that, yeah, at an amusement park. A that beer. bitter beer. What was it called? Bus, buster beer? Butter beer? Butter beer. Butter yeah, beer. Yeah. Bus, buster beer. Buster beer. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> you can tell he is not a Harry Potter fan, people. Ah, No, I've never read any of the books. I've, uh, mm, I haven't seen the last two movies either. Yeah. But I've watched them with Aiden. 20 so. years ago? Yeah, there's another big piece of inspiration for me. You want to talk about that? Aiden and Connor. Yeah. So my nephew. That is one of my questions on here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we'll get to that. No, no, do it right now. Uh, so <laughs> the funny thing is, is when I wrote Brown Eye Brindle, I had created all these characters. And then after I started really getting to know my nephews, like, you know, I've been in the picture for what five, six years now. Um, but I really have spent a lot of time with them because they are a special, special group of kids. I mean, all three of yours, they're fantastic. They're all right. And well, you can say that. No, they're great. Yeah, they are. Um, but they, yeah, they, they just, um, their energy and their excitement. And when I tell them about things, you know, I, I, I renamed a character just because he reminds me of Aiden. And then I looked in my other character and I renamed him because he reminds me of Connor. Now I use their middle names cause I, they're kind of more fantastic, you know, Jason Skyler. I thought yeah. they were, they thought they worked better, mm-hmm. but they, I definitely, when I close my eyes and see those characters, I see their faces. Sure. Yeah. I could see how that's like direct like inspiration or whatever and it can help you sort of gauge certain ideas Mm -hmm. like if you throw them at Aiden who's 13 Mm -hmm. if you throw certain idea at him and he's like 
oh, that's cool, but you could tell he might not really think it's that cool. You're yeah. like, oh, okay, I see that one didn't click. And everybody's different, but it can kind of help you gauge mm-hmm. some real life kind of, you know. Well, it was like fantastic. When earlier when I came over, you know, I, I, I have a little clip from uh, Milo Miller and it's just a spooky little part and I wanted to see it. And, and Aiden was like, wow. Like, and like the way he looked, I was like, okay, I got him. And then everyone's like, oh, well, Aiden's spooked out by everything. And I read at the con and he's like, that is so cool. I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, that's his cool voice. So we're good to go. It that's was, what he uses. It was dark. Yeah. It was a dark little uh, passage. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm glad. I'm glad it's working out the way I thought it was. So do you try to be more original or are you trying to deliver the readers what they want? I think that's something that authors really struggle with a lot. So I agree that authors struggle with that, but I think what you need to do is you need to write from the heart and have what's inside you come out because what a reader wants to read is what's in you. They want to be taken, especially readers of my kind of books, want to be taken on a magical journey. They want to leave the reality for escapism. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you need to give them the escapism, but you need to you need to create that world. I mean, we're going to go back to Harry Potter here, and I'm sorry, but when J.K. Rowling's created that world, everybody could escape to it. And that is what a reader wants. So at least that's what I feel a reader wants. I know what I want when I read. So if I create the world and you can fall into my world, that's perfect. Yeah, because people can literally like talk about everything Harry Potter as if it is a real world and a real place that was like etched in time because it's so vivid, the universe of it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I would, th- I think whew, that's got to be difficult, no? See, you would think so, but then, you know, you look at all the stuff out there for fantasy worlds. I mean, let's go all the way back to Tolkien. You know, you're looking at the Lord of the Rings worlds. Yeah, that I read is, those as a kid. Yeah. I read them. I love them. But they are, it's so fantastically done. And then, you know, you take a look at other writers now, like another one of the writers that I really like, Greg Frost. His stuff is just unbelievable. Like, you know, this is a whole world. You know, Harry Potter just happens to have that huge fandom. But a lot of writers out there creating their own stuff. I mean, if you want to even go all the way to like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and all those tabletop role playing games, nine, you know, nine times out of 10, your game master, your dungeon master, whatever you want to call them, they've created their own world for Mm -hmm. you to get immersed in. So I don't necessarily think the creating of the world is the issue. I think the creating of the world that people want to be in is the issue that writers have. So, you know, you, what you might think is cool when you have like, you know, um, spaceships flying around the sky when you've got people charging around on horses wearing armor you might think that's really awesome somebody else might look at that and go like okay that's too many genres i'm gonna go home now so you know you gotta gotta look for what your people want ah now this one this question definitely applies to you do you want each book to stand on its own or are you trying to build a body of work with connections between each book Okay, so you kind of just hit like a huge thing with me, right? So Brown-Eyed Brindle is supposed to be the first of a four to seven book series varying on how uh, I want to get it done. And I, where Brindle's at right now, I really need an agent and an editor, somebody who wants to work with me to kind of help not necessarily mold the world, but kind of mold me into being the writer that I want. So I've kind of put that one on hold right now because I think it's great, but I, with the, the NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo challenge, excuse me, uh, I'm trying to create something new. And I want this book to stand on its own. I want it to have its own legs, but I like the world I'm building. So I want to be able to put other other stories in this world And then on top of that, so my sister and I are huge geeks and we've been running around since, like I said, the age of 10 for me, 11 for her playing these tabletop role-playing games. 
So we actually just recently sat down and there's a whole nother series of books I want to create, um, starting off with the line of Arbordale based on Zoe. Uh, that is going to be a world, a single world, but it's going to take place in different pieces. So it's going to be 12-year-olds around the entirety of the world. So every book will give you a new piece of this continent that I'm creating. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's the idea. It's like an open world. Exactly. So yeah, so for those of you gamers out there, it's essentially going to be an open world, run around, check things out. Um, and you're going to get different perspectives from different characters. And then it leaves for a lot of potential crossover because the magpies from the Ravenfjord book that I'm thinking about writing and the lion of Arbordale could potentially cross each other's paths. And then you've got to, you know, which is the connections between exactly. Now see? that's a really good idea. I yeah. think that's a good idea. Well, so some of my favorite books growing up were like that. I mean, Piers Anthony. Put in those Easter eggs and stuff like that. And you're like, Oh, oh that's from that other book or that other world. Exactly. That's so cool. It's crossing over. Yeah. Like the Butterbeer or something like that could cross over. Something as simple as that mm-hmm. from book to book could be, you know. Exactly. And, you know, it's a different country. Like this in this world, you know, Arbordale is a realm of fairies. So over here are the realm of fairies. Over here are the sea elves that are doing their own thing. Neither shall the twain cross until all of a sudden a war happens. And now in the book, you're going to see the lion and you're going to see the three brothers. Again, that's another book that I'm talking about writing. So, yeah, so already wow. three books in one world. What was it 33,000, what was it, or 34? Somewhere between 20,000 and 55,000. I like to shoot for 55. about... 55. Uh, no, I'm saying how many ideas you had, like oh, 30 books. Oh, 32 books in 32,000 books, right books yeah. is what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I hope it's not that many. My brain can't store that much information. Just explode. <laughs> that's funny you bring up the uh, the gaming sort of world that you built with your sister because I think at, way back on episode 24 I think you talked about some of that game building world yeah so that's always been a thing for me like I love telling stories so this seems to be I've always Makes wanted sense, to be a writer yeah. yeah I always wanted to be a writer like it was really what it came down to is I've always wanted to write and I, I write these involved D&D campaigns and rock it on with my friends and then the world kind of ends because the game ends because real life pulls people apart and then you sure, start yeah. something new again so like the book for me is a way to actually write it because the way I looked at D&D games was I'm, I'm the storyteller. I will write the world. You fill in the characters. Now it's my turn to fill in the characters. So now I create the world. I create the characters. I hope you love them. That's, yeah. that's where my mind is now. Oh, hell yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. That got, me, that got me a little pumped. All right, yeah. <clears throat> if you could tell your younger self anything about writing, what would it be? Learn the difference between there, there, and there, your, and your. Oh, (laughs) my God. All right, I know the differences. I'm not going to say I don't, but because we are programmed as people to just write things and Microsoft Word and all of those fun programs out there change them now. You know, it was great. So there's a literary agent that I follow, and she's one of my favorite as far as the people who post. And I write this great thing today. She she posted that, you know, she has up to up to this date on her query letters. And I'm like, cool, my query letters in like 12 days. So like, you know, you're going to get me soon. Yay. And I wrote, um, thank you so much for keeping us informed. You're awesome. Y-O-U-R. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, what am I thinking? And I realized it auto-corrected because it's supposed to be Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, it's Twitter. So I have to go on there and type... You know, did I really just autocorrect your into your? And then I had to do a facepalm. So I had a, you know, an old picture, an old gif of uh, Jim Carrey smashing his head like 400 times. Because this is, this is somebody who I want to potentially represent me. And I'm misspelling on Twitter. Like, what's <laughs> going on? 
<laughs> the dangers of autocorrect. Man, just the dangers of Twitter. It's, it's I love Twitter. Don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying it so much. I just recently got on, but it's like you're, oh, and you can't take it back. <laughs> so many people though are sloppy as hell on Twitter. I don't think it's that big a deal. But you're set again. You're a writer. You're supposed to be accurate here. Exactly. What's the best money you've ever spent as a writer? Uh, okay. So everything that I've spent so far, um, but no, without a doubt, the, the entry fee to push to publish was the best thing that I did as a writer. Oh, I think it was 125. And, um, I was able to go to the convention and I met a lot of really fantastic people, not even the agents that I'm, that I met that were awesome. Um, it was the people, the, the other potential writers, the wannabes, like myself. And I, you know, even calling them a wannabe is not fair because these people aren't wannabe writers. They are writers. Writing a book, regardless if you're published or not, is such a hard thing to do that you're a writer regardless. I don't care. So all of those excellent writers, unpublished writers that I met, that was great. And then getting to meet, I got to meet Greg Frost. Um, I was on his podcast, which oh, nice. was fantastic. Nice. Yeah, I was on the, uh, the uh, Liars Oddcast, Liars Club Oddcast. Um, which actually just came out on uh, November 1st. Uh, they dropped it, and I have to actually listen to it because I haven't had a chance to with work. Um, but And so much writing. And just so, so much, much writing. So much writing. Exactly. I'm not even kidding. Um, but yeah, so getting to go there, getting to understand that and, and seeing it, and, and then meeting a couple agents. I got two face-to-face meetings with two very fantastic agents, um, both of whom I quarried, and I would love to have one of them represent me as well. well you said quarry. You've said that twice now. <laughs> uh, qu- yeah, quarry. Um, I, I think a quarry, like I'm gonna <laughs> go, you know, like a big hole, rocks filled with water. You swim in it. So sort of. So what you do when you write a book is uh, you write your manuscript, you polish it up, you make it look pretty, you get it all good to go, and then you send a section of it out to an agent, and then that agent reads it, and based on what you wrote, they either ask you to send the rest of your manuscript okay. or they tell you, I'm sorry, it's just not my thing. So in a way, it's kind of like a trailer. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's usually the first couple of chapters, uh, somewhere between one and 25 pages as far as I've seen. I did see one company who wanted 50 pages, uh, which is like almost my entire manuscript anyway. Uh, but yeah, so it's between one and 25 pages mostly and uh, submitted to the, the agent for them to review and determine whether or not they want it. Mm. And then you write, you write what's called a query letter and that's your hook. That's your, this is what my book's about. This is why you should read it. Okay, so that's kind of short and sweet. Yeah, it's usually like three paragraphs. It's like, hi, this is who I am. This is what I wrote. And this is why I wrote it. And now here it is. Okay. Yeah. That's a query letter. Yeah. Quarry, quarry. You know, you want to say it right, maybe? That's, that's <laughs> not my thing. I don't do that here. No problem. No problem. I don't write books. I don't do it right. I think you should, man. You could write a really good book on how to how to do a podcast or just how to how to sound edit. I mean, I know you don't do it professionally. But, so boring. It was so boring. Uh, no, man. I sat here and watched you. So so for those of you who have not been to my site yet, it will be up soon. Uh, Phil recorded an intro for me. Uh, it's me talking, but the recording of it was so cool just to actually sit down here and talk to him about it and then to watch him edit it was great. I mean, you can tell me how boring it is, but man, I was sitting, I was enthralled. I was on the edge of my seat, man. I, I really liked it. Uh, you're just talking me up now. You talk yourself up. I mean, literally, <laughs> you have a podcast that's named after you, so you don't need me to talk you up. Uh, that made me feel very important naming it after myself. <laughs> Well, you are important. Boost my ego. Yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> you know, actually, I used to do the podcast Breaking Batacek with Derek Batacek. Yep, I remember. And 
when we first started, like the first hundred episodes, I used to edit them and he would sit there and listen to it mm-hmm. and watch me edit. And he used to say, I love watching you edit, Phil. It's like you're clicking around like a psychopath and putting everything in order so fast. And then it just comes out so well. Like, I mean, the, the sound quality for just my 30-second blurb versus a, your, uh, your To Catch a Killer podcast series. Uh, hunting a Killer. Hunting yeah. a Killer. Hunt oh, a Killer, yeah. Man, so I've listened to audiobooks that don't have that sound quality. Thank you. Yeah, man. So I appreciate that. Well, we'll have to work on something. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. What authors did you dislike at first but have grown into? That's that's a loaded question. Um, so hmm. you're gonna have to call a friend. Do you yeah, want to I might, use I might the audience? To, I might, might need to call my sister and find out. Um, oh, she's gonna use So so the only one that comes to mind is uh, Roland Green. Um, now Roland Green, I don't know what else he has done, but he wrote an absolutely fantastic series for the Dragonlance uh, novel set, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the Knights of the Crown, the Knights of the Sword, the Knights of the Rose, and then the Wayward Knights, which is a story of Sir Privan, uh, who's just this rogue turned into a knight. And uh, it's part of the Warrior series, I believe, or the Warrior Saga. It's been such a long time since I read them. But when I first read, when I read the first novel, and this is this is going back to like, I think I was like, maybe like 10 when this book came out. Um, I got it because I was obsessed with knights. Let me just tell you that. And uh, I like the goes with the combat. Exactly. Well, and uh, so I'm reading this book and I'm like, I'm not sure I like it. I'm not sure I like it. And then I get to the part where he starts talking about the battling and the, you know, the, it's not, it's not overblown. Like, and he parried and thrust and dodged and blah. But like, I think at one point the, so it should have been an, it should have been an adult book, and I probably shouldn't have read it at a ten year old. But at one point, Sir uh, Private and his wife Hymia are in a battle with a Minotaur and a in the, in the Minotaur's heir, which was just this big hulking dude. Now Minotaurs are like half man, half bull monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, yeah. And in this world, they're common. So in Kern, I think that's what it's called, K R Y N N. Um, they're common, and they get into the fight with this guy, and they're basically like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? So Jaime's top gets ripped off at one point. You know, she's the warrior woman, badass. Oh, she's one of my favorite warrior women of all time. So she turns her leather bra strap thing, whatever it is that was, you know, tying her breasts down, and uh, she just uses it like a sling and hits the, the minotaur between his eyes and drops him in one hit. Doesn't kill him, just knocks him unconscious. And I'm like, yep. I love this writing because, like, seriously, okay, yeah, okay, 10-year-old boy. Was he distracted, the Minotaur distracted by the boobies? No, He was like, no, whoa, no, whoa, whoa, she, boobies, and then she nope. slingshotted him? No, he's literally about ready to cut her in half with a battle axe, didn't even pay attention to it, and he, oh. you know, she just knocks him. I'm just like, at that point, I think I fell in love with Roland Green as a writer, at least for that series, because, again, unfortunately, I fell out of love of reading at one point because I found video games, which is another story we'll talk about because video games, I think, are actually a great way of reading because it's weird, but there's a lot of reading in those old school games and they're stories. Um, but when I, when I read that scene, the way it was written and the way the Minotaur goes down and the way the, 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 the female warrior is, is the, the reason this battle is won, I was just like, I need to read the rest of this book. Yeah. So I did. And there's probably... Four of my favorite books of all time. It's one that you grew into then. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. Do you like uh, movies about gladiators? I like any kind of movie that has a sword or an axe in it. So yeah, pretty much gladiators and, and knights and all kinds of fun stuff. Nice. I figured that one. 
Yeah. I actually have another book that I'm thinking about writing that's it's an adult book. Do you really? Yeah. Another yeah, yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. This is an adult book, but uh, it actually involves gladiators. Adult so, book. Yeah. So Ooh, you yeah. got to let that age group that you're aiming for grow up a bit. Exactly. That, that's actually <laughs> one of the things I talked to one of the agents about. This is like, I'm going to have to focus you for like three years to just write young adult or just write mid grade. And I'm like, yes, you are, because I have something from, you know, romance to murder. Yeah. Mind. I remember you telling me once you were like, once you establish an audience, you can grow with them. Yes. Because they love you and they'll keep following you. Correct. And then you don't, you never have to grow either. There are some authors that just write young adult for their entire life. And, sure. you know, not only do they have, you know, generation A, but then in 30 years or 15 years, they have generation A's kids. And then 15 more years later, they have generation C. Like, so, you know, you can do it that way too. Yeah. What's your favorite underappreciated novel? So I don't know if we can call this underappreciated, but we can call it new and uh, hasn't had the chance to be appreciated yet. Okay. I just finished reading literally today. Started it last Wednesday. Just finished it today. The Star Shepherd um, by uh, Dan Harding and uh, Macy Kate. I think it's Macy Kate Connolly. Oh my god! Long name. Yeah. Um, name. But they are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So Dan created the world, and uh, Macy did the writing. And I literally have found my new favorite book of all time. I, I put all that, time. Wow. Oh uh, yeah, I put that at the top of my list. I was I was totally blown away. The whole reason I got it was because I was looking for a comp book to Brown Eyed Brindle, and I read this and it said a little boy goes on a journey with his dog to save the stars. My book is a little boy goes on a journey with his dog to save magic. I'm like, there we go, comp. I got to read this. I love it. It's I like actually, your wheelhouse. Uh, it's mm-hmm. perfect. And I, I actually follow Dan on Twitter, and uh, he he is really supportive, and so is Macy. They they really give you. And I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. I'm just Marcy. Maybe I, I'm I'm horrible with names, so please don't hate me because I think you're fantastic. It's all right. I can't speak. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And I do a podcast. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, they they're great. She's actually got a whole bunch of books. I just <laughs> literally just ordered like six of. I ordered six books, and I think at least three of them are hers off Amazon. And they're all mid-grade because, you know, I write mid-grade, so I need to read mid-grade. There we go. Yeah. Like so. you said, focusing on your, not genre, but your, what am I looking group. for? Yeah. My age group. Your age group. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. This is kind of a fun question for you. Sure. As a writer, what would you choose as your mascot slash avatar slash spirit animal? Well, uh, considering when you go to uh, my website, you will see owls. Um, it's going to be an owl. Or as we people from Philadelphia like to say, owls. Uh, <laughs> there is a difference. Yeah, spelled the same, but we pronounce it differently. Who says that? What? Who says that? Oh, oh I can't no. believe it took me a minute to get that. <laughs> oh. I can't believe you went there. I did. <laughs> I always, Anytime somebody mentions an owl, I always say the who joke. I'm such... Mm such a dad oh my you know, god yeah but yeah i've met your dad kids. joke i've met the kids you're allowed to be a good dad so they love the dad jokes yeah well my I dad told know. a lot of dad jokes and i did the same thing go oh my god dad but no. they're great but then you actually kind of laugh uh, on the inside well, so you can't, you can't i mean come on let, let's just talk about our father-in-law for a minute you know wally's dad <laughs> jokes oh yeah, okay in- some of them are inappropriate but come on they're fantastic pretty intense oh he's a great man 
And you're a Funkle. You're wearing the Funkle shirt right yeah, now. Let's yeah, sidestep here and talk about the Funkle shirt. All right. So my Funkle shirt just says a uncle well-trained in the arts of fun and amusement. <laughs> also see legend, awesome, and hero. <laughs> so I wow. like to say I'm I'm a self-proclaimed Funkle because I have not had a uh, – I don't have kids. Um, at, but I love kids. Um, my wife and I decided not to. Um, and then I kind of – tried to semi-adopt my uh, my sister-in-law's kids <laughs> uh and and let's be honest they're, they're great kids and i love spending time with them so and it's really important for them to have family members to do that kind of stuff with them i agree it's really important yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to sunday and going to see uh connor's game oh yeah we're gonna whoop some butt getting really sidetracked here in the football it's a little we're allowed to i know we got the <laughs> funko shirt on yeah well you know all right, well, this question, I think we already went over, it's how do you select the names for your characters? You know, some of them are based off my kids, but mm-hmm. other stuff, um, how do you come up with other names? Just cool names you like? or uh, A lot of it comes down to names that I've liked. There are people that I know sometimes. They're actors, actresses, people who I imagine playing the roles. I mean, sure. like, one of my favorite my favorite names is Reese, R-Y-S-E, or mm. R-H-Y-S-E. Lord, have my, can we please, uh, no, Jesus. All right, we need to edit that out because it's R. H Y S. We need that spell check thing you use. Yeah, yeah, I know. I definitely pro writing aid. Yeah, pro writing. We need that. Can we get that locked in? People, hey, people, my (laughs) people, my people, get working on that. Yeah, you over there. (laughs) But uh, no, I uh, I clapped and something turned on. That was weird. It sounded like it. Maybe turned off. Oh, whatever. Yeah, something. There was like a little like click. It was a click noise. Fantastic. I think it was that Godzilla figure over there. Oh man, he better stay there. Uh, love me some Godzilla. Yeah. I agree. He's usually holding that little axe, but he dropped it. Oh, well. He's got a little battle axe. See? You know, let me go get my shield. Well, well, me and Godzilla can oh, let's it out. soup up the Godzilla action figure here. Yeah. So he's more than an action figure. It's like a foot tall, foot and a half tall. Yeah, yeah, he's he's big. He's a monster. I got Literally. him in the 80s. Really? Yeah, that's mine from the Damn. 80s. Damn. What does... <laughs> this is such a, such a dramatic switch from the Godzilla. I know, right? Yeah. What does literary success look like to you? That's another loaded question, right? Sure I mean, is. Because you can talk about, we'll go back to J.K. Rowling, so you can talk about, you know, Explosion Millionaire. Um, so let me just tell you right off the bat, my goal is to not be that person. All right, you know what I want more than anything in this world? I want to move my wife to Ireland because when we went to visit there in February, she left a piece of her heart, and I need to go back and get it because I miss it. Um, but the only way I'm going to get that piece back is if I take her there and stay there. So Ireland, I'm coming, I promise. But my dream is to buy a little cottage mm-hmm. and live within walking distance of a town that has a diner, a pub, and a bookstore. And I want to walk in every morning and have breakfast with my wife at the diner. And then I want to go home and spend the day writing. And then I want to walk down to the pub and I want to have a beer and a good meal with my wife and then walk back home and go to bed. Every day except Sunday. Because on Sunday, I want to get up walk to the bookstore, sit myself down in the back of the bookstore and read to anybody who wants to hear the words, not just my words, anybody's words. And you know what? If you hear this podcast and you'll hear the same thing, you'll read the same thing on my website. If you hear this, come and meet me in Ireland and bring your first edition of any one of my books. And not only will I sign it for you, but I will read it to you with the voices that are in my head when those characters talk because every character has a voice. There you go, people. We got something to look forward to. Yes, I I, I want to make see sure you have hours though, because this is gonna take a while to read a book. 
It take hours. Well, just the first, <laughs> just the first chapter. Just the first chapter. It'll be the uh, uh, what was it? The quarry. I'll redo the quarry version. He really cannot say quarry, can he? Quarry. Quarry. There you, go, you got it right. Quarry. quarry sounds to me like some medieval person, like like the person who's gonna have to go fetch something for me. Hey, quarry. Go fetch this for me, Sonny. Get it for me, kiddo. Why? Why did you become old instead hey, of medieval? Right, that's a gangster voice. Yeah, well, that, hey, that one was. You have just jumped from like thirty different jobs. This Get is why me, he kid. speaks and doesn't write, folks. Get away from me, kid. You're driving me crazy. <laughs> now I'm Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> Somebody bring him the Maltese Falcon. Let's go. What's the most difficult thing about writing characters of the opposite sex? Uh, trying to stay realistic, uh, and not fall into a stereotype. Um, yeah, that's, that's the hardest part is, is to, you know, you want to have, I'm a chivalrous guy. Like, you know, obviously I do the medieval combat. So like for me, pulling out a chair, opening a door, but that extends to more than just women. You know, you pull out a chair for another guy, you know, you open the door for your buddy, you hold it open. That's chivalry, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's common, polite. Exactly. Stuff to do. So you want to, you want to, or I want to anyway, I want to protect my wife. I want to protect my friends. So when I write a character, I want to have him be chivalrous. But unfortunately, sometimes that can be, you got to put the woman in a weaker role. And let's be honest, women are not weaker than men in any way, shape, or form. In fact, one of the characters that I wrote, I thought it was going to be a guy. And then after about 30 seconds of writing the person, I was like, nope, this is a girl. And she's going to murder everybody. And that, that's actually the Gladiator one that I'm talking about writing. But that's, again, it's an adult book. So it'll be a while before that one gets on the, the, the docket to be written. But not falling into tropes is a big Sure. Thing. Man, I would think that'd be tough trying to write as a woman, trying to do a woman's perspective well see i have a i have a lot of help with that you know i have a i have a very uh i have a very strong-willed wife who i love more than anything i have a sister who has always been my quote-unquote intellectual equal and or better um she's definitely a lot wittier than i am uh i have your wife to talk to uh so i have a lot of really good female roles i mean you know my wife and your wife who are sisters uh are completely different people you know my wife is the uh car mechanic slash power tool woman and your wife is a little bit more of the princess style um so when i need a more feminine look at a character i can message jess when i need a more you know gruff i don't want to use that word because my wife hears it i'm <laughs> <coughs> But if I need a stronger woman, I can talk to my wife. And then if I need a smart ass, I can talk to my sister. It's great. So, you know, the women in my life really help me a lot. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And go from experience, right? Exactly. Yeah. Follow yeah. the women in your life. I can help you give you a lot of good advice on that kind of stuff. That's yeah. cool, though, that you, uh, your ultimate goal, though, is just to find, to, to get to your happy place, you know? Yeah, I don't want millions upon millions of dollars. I mean, I mean, it'd be nice. Come on, listen. I well, mean, you no know, one's gonna. I'd buy know. you that house in Vermont your wife wants. Yeah. I'd buy my wife half of Ireland if I could. Yeah, why? But, well, yeah, of course. But. Yeah, but what I want is I just want to live on my writing, and you know, I want to walk into a bookstore and see my name in print, and I want to have someone be like, "Your book really helped me," or you know, "I loved that story," or it just meant something to me. You know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, J.K. Rowling has no idea who we are, but. Uh, my wife and I probably wouldn't be together if it wasn't for her. So thank you, please. You please. I mean, I, I hope you hear this podcast because you're the whole reason that I'm married to the love of my life. 
Sure. Being involved with things like this, you can reach people that you would have never exactly ever come into contact with before, like you said, or have any kind of effect on their life, whether it was just uh, something profound or something, you know, just as trivial as I, you, I enjoyed a few hours. It was a great read. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's all I'd be happy for. I'd be happy for someone to say that was a great read. How many hours a day are you writing right now? It sounds like a full-time job. If you quit your regular job. No, I still work. Uh, I still work my eight hours a day um, for my company, and we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, who wants to talk about work? Right, exactly. <laughs> but no, um, I probably clock in another five to eight hours a day of writing, reading, and oh. or editing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and you kind of got to do it all, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. you do the writing. Obviously, got to do the editing, but you want to also stay in tune with what's going on in the scene and other people's writing because reading also helps you develop your writing. So it's exactly. a give and take kind of yeah, thing. and it's it's a pain because there are so many great writers out there, especially debut novelists um, that I want to read, and I'm you know said I picked up a uh, Lalani of the Distant Sea, and then at the Star Shepherd I just ordered the Dark Lord Clementine. Uh, there's Clementine. A, um, Clementine, Clementine, delicious. Whatever she's that that book looks fantastic. I'm looking forward to reading Grim Daughters. Uh, that's a young adult novel coming out, or maybe it's already out. I'm not exactly 100 percent sure, um, but I know that the author is going to be at Barnes and Noble, so I'm going to go meet her just because again and talk to her on Twitter. Um, so it's it's a pain because these guys are guys and girls or people, whatever. Um, I'm sorry, but they're so good, and people haven't discovered them yet. But I have, and I'm like, okay, I need to read your stuff, but I need to put your book down to work on my end because I need to be <laughs> there with you. Like, it needs to be us. Like, I can't wait to talk to you and when we can sit across the table from each other, both signing our books. Because I'd love to meet Dan. That Star Shepherd literally just blew my mind. And yeah, it sounds that, like it. You sound yeah. pretty shell-shocked I would, in a good I, way. I told I I, told, I reached out to them on Twitter and I said please if you guys are any ever anywhere between Washington D.C. and New York, uh, in Philadelphia, whatever, I will take a train and get to you guys because I need you to sign my book and I need to meet you because they're, I love your work. Really, that's what it comes down mm-hmm. to. And they both responded on Twitter very positively that they will definitely let me know when they're in town. I'm like, well, that's a great compliment. That's uh, a great compliment to get as a writer. I think it's the best compliment you can get is to actually have somebody think that your book is their favorite. And I'm including this over the Harry Potter books that brought me and my wife together. That's how much I really love this book. Mm-hmm. So shameless plug, The Star Shepherd. Have you ever been in a Turkish prison? No. <sighs> Turkish prison. What is the most difficult part of your artistic process? Being okay with what I wrote. Um, so... I will write, rewrite, write again, erase it, write it again, delete it, burn it, whatever. Burn it. Is it like if I went into the room with there, like, be, you know, crumpled up pieces of paper, like you threw over your shoulder, you were writing, like, God damn it, and then just took it and threw it across the room? I mean, I know you're probably doing it digitally on a computer here, but theoretically, would there be piles of crumpled up paper thrown all over the typewriter, tossed to the floor? Probably not the typewriter toss to the floor because those things are expensive and I'm a little frugal. Uh, but yes, there would be paper all over the place because it's just like, uh, and then the best part about it is jumping after that sheet of paper that I just threw. I was like, wait, I got a perfect idea for this. Let's go. But yeah, so there would, it would be everywhere because, you know, you're your own worst critic. And the thing is, is uh, so 
as I have found out recently, rejection is a huge part of writing. I would think so. Yeah. Um, just because what you're writing might be too ambitious for an agent or it might be the wrong thing for them. You might think this would be great. Like, oh, you'd be perfect for my book. But then they're like, it's not really my thing. And you're like, but I thought it was. Um, so I've been rejected quite a bit this week, which is totally fine. I'm, I actually welcome it because when I find that person who is willing to take a chance on me, they're going to have seen something in me that's magnificent. And that's my, that's the Phoenix rising from the ashes. So every time I get a rejection, it's a little bit more ash that I know I'm going to rise from. Sure. And not every story is going to appeal to somebody. Exactly. So you got to find the right person and then, yeah, just build on it from there. You got to throw out fishing lines. You know, one of them's going to grab. Exactly. And you know, I mean like, and if, if it takes forever for someone to grab it, if it takes the next 10 years or if it takes me rewriting the book 30 times, like I said, it's just that sweeter moment at the end when boom, I rose from the ashes because this person took a chance on me and here we go, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and I, you know, I, mean, I read, I follow a lot of agents on Twitter and you know, I, when I read that people are, are bad mouthing them and saying bad things about them because they got rejected, I'm sitting there going like, man, I, if I get rejected by, and I, I just got rejected by like the person I thought would be perfect for me. And as soon as I got rejected, I didn't think to myself, oh, life is over. I thought to myself, well, I need to be better. And then next time she won't reject it. Rather than be like, screw them. Exactly. Now, now I, when I finish Milo, I'm going to, I'm going to quarry her again. And if she says yes, I'm going to be like, oh, you're going to quarry. Thank her. you. Yeah. You're going to be like, look, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm yep. going to keep getting better. Yep. I'm going to do this. There's an, getting a, pumped. I'm getting pumped right now. But there's an agent that I like out in Colorado who said that she worked she list, she read nine novels by this one author. She didn't know at the time and she rejected all nine of them. And on the 10th one, she's like, I love it. I want to represent you. And he said, mm, took you 10. And she's just like, I'm sorry. And it's just like, no, don't <laughs> be sorry. Like, don't be sorry. You, you just told me something I need to hear. And you told me nine times and I went back and I became a better writer for it. And, you know, she's another one of the writers, she's another one of the writers, another one of the agents I'd love to have represent me, but she rejected me too. And, you know, if, if this book doesn't get picked up by somebody and I'm still looking for an agent, um, you know, when Milo's done, she's going to get another Corey letter from me. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? You ever seen a grown man naked? Uh, every time I look in the mirror or when I'm taking a shower. <laughs> have you followed where some of those questions are coming from? Unfortunately, I have, and I'm dying inside. <laughs> the Turkish prison, the gladiators, and the naked men... Whereas uh, it was all from the movie Airplane. I figured I'd throw in a few ridiculous questions there. Yep. I appreciated it. All right. Last question. All right. And I, I think this could be kind of a fun last question. Sounds good. What is one thing that you would give up to become a better writer? Well, I think the answer to that is nothing. I wouldn't give up anything to become a better writer. Um, and let me tell you why. Because... The number one answer is sex. I checked on the Family Feud. Did you really? No, I made that people? up. Did you just stop people in the mall? Excuse me, sir. <laughs> the number what would one you give answer up to be a better writer. Sex. Uh, yeah. First off, I don't think that's going to come up at all. <laughs> but I wouldn't give up anything because I think writing comes from the heart, and I think writing comes from the soul. Um, if if that's what you want to look at it as, because words are always there. It's just a matter of how you fit them together. So as I love to call it, wordsmithing. Yeah, you certainly have a passion for it. That much is clear. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I try, I try, to, I try to play with words no matter where I go, whether I'm at work trying to joke around with people or I'm writing a scroll as an award for somebody or I'm just talking to you. 
I like to find the right words to fit together. And when I manage to get that combination, uh, it clicks. And I wouldn't give up any part of who I am because those words wouldn't mean the same thing if they came from anybody else. Wow. Such a deep answer. Thank you. You could have just said sex, the number one answer, but you didn't go that way. No, because I like my wife too much. Well, look, you clearly sound motivated. You sound like you uh, are inspired to to reach the stars. I wish you all success. I know you're going to have it. I know you've had some, and I know you're going to have a lot more. So I'm excited to see what you do. I really am. Well, and I hope you're there with me for every step of the way, man, because like I said, you know, um, I don't know if I can uh, request a sound editor for when my book gets written, but I would love to sit oh, yeah, and read one of yeah. my books and have you do that. That'd be fun. It'd be a good project. Yeah, I think I so like, as well. I'm like, looking forward to the next podcast we do together, which cannot be almost 100 episodes. What was I thinking? <laughs> Why aren't I over here like every week podcasting with you? I'll have you back on episode, what, I don't know, 205. Uh, yeah, 205, I'm thinking. I might have like, you know... 400 more novel ideas by that man i think you will actually yeah well let's see hey what i you know keep those ideas grinding because huh? i think the more ideas you have there's going to be some serious winners in there you know so i would be happy for one great and good and mediocre to follow you know you want that one thing that you remember was important for you and then everything else can doesn't have to live up to that. You don't have to, you know, a lot of this, this whole thing about people like needing to hit their, their peak and stay there. Um, write or, or create or do one great work. And then anything else past that, that makes you happy. That's where you need to be. You need to be at that happy level. Cause if you're constantly, you should never not reach to be higher, but if you're never happy when you finally make that one thing that should make you happy, then you're always going to be disappointed. Yeah. And life's not about disappointment. Life is no. about the little moments. Yeah. So happy is a little moment. No, those are good words of encouragement. I like that. So let's, uh, let's plug the site again and any of the other Twitters or awesome. Instagrams, whatever you got. Yeah, definitely need to come check me out. It's www.dream think right that's w-r-i-t-e dot com you can check me out on twitter i'm trying to go for mr positivity here on twitter never say anything bad always say something positive in the twitter world wow yeah i know right so that's uh that's at michael j it's m-i-c-h-a-e-l-j and then writing w-r-i yes i was waiting for you to finish it because you know you can't say anything right I was no. I'm looking. Well, at, you're looking at my card. So I was, like, I was honestly. I'm going to be honest here. I was a little distracted. I'm staring at this really cool owl on this uh, business card that he gave me. You finish it. You finish. Uh, it. Yeah. So it's a uh, Michael J. Writing. W R I T I N G. Writing. You keep trying to get him, but he he keeps looking down at the card. I'm looking at the card again. And you can also find me the same on uh, Instagram, Michael J. Writing. And uh, you know, if you want to reach out to me, there is a. Uh, a function on my webpage for the contact that shoots it to a, a private email that I can read and I'll respond to you. There's also a live chat function, which one of my friends, John signed up for my website and uh, live chatted with me, which was pretty cool. I oh, I saw the chat before. function. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, awesome. So yeah, come check me out. Uh, and you know, hopefully you'll find me one day in Ireland in a bookstore and you'll get a signature and a custom reading. You'll be in that happy place. And he'll read the whole book to you in each of the voices that he thought of in his head. It's each character's voice, not each voice in my head. Because if so I read There's each, a lot of voices yeah, in his head. If I read from each voice so in my many. head, he might be there for a couple decades. Guys, you can check me out. Send me an email, philinterrupted at gmail.com. You guys know that by now. Any questions, concerns about this show, any other show, 
Ah, if you don't want to, who cares? But if you want to, go for it. I'm still staring at this business card. I can't stop looking. You got a good thing going with this business card. Thanks. That, that's actually mine. I own that too. So that whole little logo thing you got there. I like this little owl. He's cool looking. Mike, you go by Michael here. Uh, ready. You Michael can call Mullen. me Mike, Michael, whatever you want to do. Just don't call me late for dinner. There we go. Well, thanks for being on the show again. It won't be 100 episodes, I promise. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. I really like this. This is fun. It is a fun time. I'm yes. glad to have you back here. All right, guys. Well, that's it. pretty much going to do it here. We're making moves here on Film Erupted, and we will catch you next time. Peace out! Hello, this is normally the volume I talk at. I always get louder when the show's on. Well, that's good to know. This is kind of the volume I'm at right now, and I usually tend to get softer. You get quieter. Well, you know, I like to actually draw people into what I'm saying. That's, that's an actual technique, man. Wow, I ought to use that someday. <laughs> um, it's going to be an owl. Or as we people from Philadelphia like to say, owls. Uh, there is a difference. Yeah, spelled the same, but we pronounce it differently. Who says that? What? Who says that? Oh, 